here we go. Live from the White Call Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Pattison, Jace Brown, Dawson Wise, and Jake Miller has joined us on the episode as well. Welcome back in, Jake. Absolutely. Um, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in. A great first hour, talked about the Vols and Cox. Also, Dondi Plowman as well, a big day for her. Uh, but now we dive into a little bit more of the NFL and NBA, and we begin the episode with uh, the Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson is staying in Detroit. Detroit Lions offensive coordinator uh, told the Washington Commanders and the Seattle Seahawks that he's not available for their vacant head coaching positions and will instead stay in Detroit, according to a league source. Uh, the 2023 Lions ranked fifth in scoring and third in yards during the regular season. Only the 49ers had more plays of 20-plus yards than the Lions, 85. Um, Johnson approach uh, Johnson's approach mixes a run-heavy plan with a smash-mouth mindset and a flexible passing attack, not wedded to a single system. He is a true pro and I, we've been talking about him for a while oh, wow. yeah. how much we love him and um is this a good for move a good move for him to stay put in detroit i'm not sure uh i felt like he could have struck while the iron's hot and gone and gotten a head coaching job and started a rebuild somewhere uh, and gotten his quarterback to develop as well under his own system uh, i think in washington it's, it's a pretty okay system in washington as well that he could have taken the reins of that program and and you know, elevated them, I think, offensively, especially after they move off of Ron Rivera, defensive coach. Um, that's the way the league is going. How many times have we said that about Ben Johnson over the past few weeks? Yeah. That's the way the league's going. Mm. Hire Ben Johnson. Um, it, on the flip side, great for Detroit to keep him. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, he's the mastermind behind their offensive success. They've got a great thing going. I think they can mm-hmm. keep this great thing going uh, long term into next year and beyond if he chooses to stay with the Lions again. Um, but now you got to put a wrinkle in it. Uh, yeah. you got to change it a little bit. Now defensive coaches are able to plan for it a little bit. You know, you've had that lightning in a bottle moment with this offense. Mm-hmm. It'll still work. you just got to put some more wrinkles in it. Kind of almost kind of like what you did in San Francisco. I mean, what a creative first half it was. Yeah. Yeah. Showed some of the things they can throw in that offense. I think maybe a preview for next year how you put wrinkles in the in the offensive scheme. Yeah, yeah. I, I th- he's he's got to see something in, the, in this offense, right, for next year. I mean, he's returning a bunch of guys and uh, to pass up on you know being able to lead your own team I think that speaks volumes to what he does see uh now I, I do think this is kind of a uh a big hit for Washington because I mean we're actually never mind I don't think it was because I mean do we think he was going to leapfrog be enemy for that uh head coaching spot because I mean those two do run that like pretty potent offenses uh whenever they've got the guys to run it but uh I, I think mainly a big loss for Seattle because I mean this is a guy they've already got the weapons there that they can run right. uh, a good offense they've got Geno Smith back there they've got the running game they've got uh, all the passing weapons that they need uh, I, th- I think it's a bigger loss for Seattle compared to Washington I think Ben Johnson made the right decision uh, there are a lot of better opportunities out there than the commanders in Seattle um, commanders are dysfunctional from top to bottom. Now, I know they've got a new uh, new owner, new uh, GM, a lot of new around there, but still, they've been dysfunctional for years, and they don't have a quarterback. They've got some nice pieces offensively. They're kind of a mess. Uh, Seattle is probably going to go back to a defensive-minded coach. Most likely, Dan Quinn has been the name mm-hmm. hovered around. Um, defensive mind is not what Ben Johnson wants to get into. I think when he looked at it, he saw Seattle and Washington, one's dysfunctional, one's defensive-minded. That's not me. I'll rather wait it out for another season 
and and enjoy what I've got right now with the Lions. I've got a really good offense. I've got weapons, and they're coming back too because they're through the draft. They're young. They're cheap. They're inexpensive. Um, so I think he'll stay next year. He'll have another great year. And then when some of these coaching jobs start popping up next year that are a lot more um, appealing, I think he'll hop right back in. Um, I, I think he looked at it and was like, this is this is not the decision that I need to make. I don't need to force my way into somewhere. Um, so I think it's a great move for him to stay put. Uh, sucks for the commanders because they really wanted him, and um, they hope to pair Johnson with their first-year general manager, Adam Peters, um, and the options available with the number 2 overall pick in April's draft. Um, trying to ignite a long-term, uh, a long-overdue turnaround, um, and now Washington is still without a coach. Um, Seattle, I think, will be able to rebound without Ben Johnson. But I think Washington really misses Ben Johnson here. Uh, how big of a loss is this for the Commanders? It's a huge miss. I mean, I thought he was the best offensive mind still on the market yes. in terms of coaches, and I don't think it was close. Uh, now, for me, what, what? Yeah, they're dysfunctional for sure. Um, but uh, for me, it was more. Um, what the resources they had you could get a quarterback go develop them and really be great yeah yeah i, I mean it, it does feel like it's a big loss but i mean you know they're going for an offensive guy they i'll go back on it they still have eric b that's still in there they can just move him up now granted there was some what felt like it was some off the field issues and stuff like that some disagreements but i mean he's a guy that can go in there and turn things around i mean we saw what he did uh with the chiefs and i mean if he can finally get him uh a competent quarterback that's not named sam howell uh they've got some young weapons out there like mclaurin and dotson guys like that i think they can make some noise but uh yeah i, I don't think they go back defensive so i think that kind of marks out Vrabel. i definitely think belichick's out of it for sure now Great move for Johnson. Huge loss for the commanders here. Uh, and this was their guy. Yeah. This is what they waited out for. Um, I mean, there was a reason why they waited until the NFC Championship and AFC Championship weekends to try and make a decision. So, in a sense, they let a couple of these other guys go, you know, that have already found new places and new homes. Um, and now they're stuck, and they're still looking for a coach. It'll be very interesting to see who they go after. I mean, does Bill Belichick get an offer now? Does um, you know the 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 the, the options are, are dwindling at this point, and it's a huge loss for the Commanders. And I think when you look at it, um, Ben Johnson did not like the remaining options available. The Commanders are now going to have to kind of uh, piece things together and and just kind of expedite a, a new search now for who's available. Um, It'll be interesting to see where they go. I mean, Mike Vrabel could be a guy they they get, but um, a defensive-minded guy at that. I don't know if that's a, the best option for likely Drake May um, at, at that number two pick. The one that I saw the most flung around today was Bobby Slowick in Houston. Bobby Slowick's a great one, yeah. Uh, I think that would be a pretty good fit. Look at the development he's done with C.J. Stroud in just one year with that system. But I'll say the same for Ben Johnson. Does Slowick really want to leave the Texans where he's probably not? He, where he's hit Great on his situation. Yeah, where he's already Great hit situation. on his rookie quarterback, and they were just in the playoffs this season. That's a that's a, the the same thing. It's a it's a tough ask to leave that and then go to a dysfunctional franchise for multiple seasons and multiple years. And um, now let's move over to Arthur Smith, who was pretty dysfunctional in Atlanta. Um, he has landed in Pittsburgh, and we now bring in uh, one of our members of overtime, Max Pennell, who's a Steelers fan, isn't this? Oh, uh, Lordy. Jake, uh, the, <laughs> Here we go. Jake, the Avengers have <laughs> been reassembled. Uh, Max, what's up? Yeah, um, good to talk to you all. Excited to be down there next week. Yeah, man. Uh, we got we got Jake in here as well. He had a little bit of a pit stop uh, coming home from the Tennessee game. Um, 
Jake, make your make your noise heard. Yeah, I'm sorry I can't hear you, Max. Um, yeah, I. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. The army said my hearing is damaged, but it's not damaged enough. But you know, I'm. Uh, it's good to somewhat hear from you. I can kind of hear you blending in through William's headphones. So I'll take that as a W. All right, good to hear from you, Jake. He says good to hear from you, Jake. Sorry, we yeah. got to do some sound uh, language. William, here. yes. Um, I'm sure y'all are busy. About six minutes ago, I heard y'all talking about Bobby Slowick. They said he is not interested. There you go. That's your answer. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think that's a good move for the same thing for Ben Johnson. There's mm-hmm. no reason to go uh, and leave what you have, a very successful group with the Texans and, and for Johnson with the Lions. Uh, I think it would be a bad move for any of them to really go and want to deal with what the commanders are at this point. Um, so, Max, I want to talk about the the Steelers hiring today of former Atlanta Falcons coach Arthur Smith as the new offensive coordinator. Um, Smith will land a new job after the Falcons fired him shortly after the end of the 2023 season. Um, after three consecutive 7-10 and 10 seasons in his three years with the franchise. Uh, Max, your thoughts on this move for Pittsburgh? You know, it doesn't really move the needle for me. Um, I know he had success as an offensive coach or offensive coordinator, uh, much more than he did as a head coach. Uh, just my, my big gripe um, is the Steelers finally went outside of the organization um, for the first time in a long time to hire an offensive coordinator. And the the messaging from Tomlin and from the, the ownership was, we're going to get someone innovative, someone in here um, to kind of foster some new ideas offensively because the offense has been – uh, the down point, downturn of this team for a few years now, and it seems like he's none of those things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know he had success in Tennessee, yeah. um, but it, it feels like Mike Tomlin still wants to play You know, 2008-style football, what won him a Super Bowl 15 mm-hmm. years ago now, mm-hmm. um, despite not winning a playoff game for the longest time in Steelers history currently. Um, and... You know, he, he's never really – I know Tannehill had some success, but Tannehill was, you know, a 29-, 30-year-old quarterback coming into his system. Yeah. And I, I know the cupboard was bare in Atlanta, but the cupboard's not stocked much better in Pittsburgh either at quarterback. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have a ton of success of grooming young quarterback talent. Um, so that – and that was another thing they, they were very uh, profound about is we want to find someone who uh, is going to develop Kenny Pickett, this and that. And he doesn't seem like the type of guy. I mean, they brought in Gerard Johnson. I'm not sure if there was a lack of interest from him or from the organization. Um, so, yeah, just doesn't really move the needle for me. I, I'm sure it'll be better than what it was in that Canada, but that's a very low bar. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, the, the thing I wrote down was anything's better than Matt Canada. That was the first thing I wrote down when I was looking at this. Again, not a needle mover for me. Uh, in his time in Atlanta, just did not utilize what he had. And we talked a lot about Atlanta wanting to find a guy that would do that because Arthur Smith didn't. Um, and so for me, he's I don't think he's going to utilize the, the weapons that they have on offense. And it's a good set of weapons in Pittsburgh uh, as well. Uh, you know, Between Pickens, Johnson, Fryermuth, they have a good offense. Mm. Um, you know he utilized Najee Harris. I can tell you that much with as much as he likes to yeah. run the ball. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, you want to utilize all of your weapons and not just Harris. And for me, it's just not – not a home run hire at all. Not not mm. a guy you think of. Oh well, he's going to come in and make radical change. I just you know I'm not a, a huge fan of it. And I mean, it's not like Najee Harris is like kind of a, a one man band like Derrick Henry. I mean, I don't think you can put those two in the same conversation uh, at that talking point. So I mean, uh, he'll probably throw Jalen Warren in, kind of use him 
a little bit, kind of like B. John Robinson, catch some balls out of the backfield. But besides that, I mean, uh, it's going back to just, like you said, that 2008 offense that, you know, hasn't won you games or playoff games at that at a really good clip in such a long time. So uh, I don't think this is much of a step up uh, besides like a lateral move. Yeah, I, I label this as odd, in my opinion. Mm. I, I think that Smith was run out of Atlanta because he was incapable of using all of his weapons around him. I mean, that roster is very talented in terms of young weapons. I mean, Bijan Robinson, um, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, um, guys that have been severely underused um, by Arthur Smith's coaching. I mean, three years of it, seven and ten, three years in a row, there was really no light at the end of the tunnel, and that's why he got run out. Um, I, I do think that it does benefit the Steelers running back game. Uh, the Falcons ran the ball uh, 1,474 times during Smith's three years in Atlanta. That's the seventh most in the league during that span. Um, so if I'm Najee Harris and, and, and Warren, uh, I'm smiling ear to ear. But how does this move the needle for your biggest question mark going into the offseason? And that's, is Kenny Pickett still the guy? And is he able to be that franchise guy that we so thought he would be? And hiring a guy that has been reluctant to do that with Desmond Ritter and and struggled to uh, find any consistent quarterback play at his prior location, I don't know how that translates to, okay, now this guy's going to come in and groom, uh, groom Kenny Pickett. I don't see it happening. I think it's odd. Um, so, so, Max, we'll move to the quarterback situation now. Uh, what does this move mean for Kenny Pickett and, and the rest of that quarterback room? Well, um, Mason Rudolph is a upcoming free agent. Um, Mitch Trubisky is as good as gone. He's going to be a, uh, a cap casualty, I guess is a nice way to put it. Um, he's just not an NFL quarterback. No. Um, but the, there seems to be interest, at least heavy interest, from what uh, both Tomlin and Art Rooney, the second, the owner, have said, that uh, they want to bring Mason Rudolph back. I don't think his market, you know, he probably will command about what Mitch Trubisky's making would be my bet. Uh, yeah. It's about seven million, um, and and Tomlin said that he thinks the quarterback for next year for the future is in was in their locker room this year. Um, he wouldn't say who, and he he said he wants competition. <laughs> I I think if they bring Mason Rudolph back, uh, Kenny Pickett is probably the starter. I mean that's what the organization's probably rooting for. Yeah. Um, they don't want to say, hey, we had this guy behind him who was better all along, and, mm -hmm. and look what we did. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do think it'll be a much shorter leash. You know, I, I don't think he's going to get 16 games next year if he's struggling to uh, to run the offense. Um, but, yeah, and, and that's the thing with Arthur Smith is it's just they, they talked about all this stuff about building, making a move to help him and help this offense kind of join the 21st century, and he seems like the exact opposite. So, be interesting to see if he if they view him as more of a guy that because I personally knowing you know what Tannehill was I view Mason Rudolph almost more as the type of guy that can run the offense like Tannehill did than Kenny Pickett can. Yeah, and Dawson, Jace, you guys thoughts? Uh, yeah, in Atlanta it was a total disaster with Arthur Smith for the quarterback situation, um, and for a team that's had kind of a bit of a revolving door at times in Pittsburgh of quarterbacks over the past year or two. Uh, it does not bode well to me. Mm. Just the way that, that Smith handled that in Atlanta, that whole situation going back and forth between the two guys and, 
it just didn't work. It never worked, um, and I just I don't have a ton of confidence that it's going to work. W- what he wants to do, I'm assuming in Pittsburgh as well, and that's like you said, competition. Uh, that's what he said in Atlanta, and look how that went um, over the past couple years there. Uh, he's just got to find the guy that clicks in his offense, and, and again, how hard is that going to be with his run first yeah. offense? Uh, because neither of the quarterbacks in Atlanta, Ritter or Heineke, could click in the in the offense that he put there. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. They've got talent there in, in the quarterback room. They've, they're going to have a competition for that spot. It'll be interesting to see, but I'm just I'm not very confident it's not going to be any more of a disaster than Atlanta was. Yeah, I mean, you bring up the point of uh, guys not clicking in this offense, which is kind of weird because, I mean, if you're running the ball all the time, surely the pressure's not really on you. It's really on everybody else to just do their job like it's supposed to be drawn up. So, I mean, uh, it goes back on less throws. It's less pressure to me uh, on the QB room. So, I mean, I realistically I would think that anybody in that quarterback room could run that offense uh just about as well as uh you can which I mean in this day and age isn't really gonna get you anywhere so uh you know we we saw the success with Tannehill who's just you know mediocre at best uh so I mean if they can just at least get mediocre maybe they make a little bit of noise but I mean yeah, I, again, I, back on the point, I don't really think you can lean on Najee Harris like you did with Henry a few years back. Uh, Max, I'll ask you this. So the Steelers have four, or excuse me, seven picks in this upcoming draft. Do you think maybe in round four where you've got two picks, you might take a quarterback or, or, or round three maybe take a quarterback and, and see if, if uh, you know Arthur Smith can get his guy maybe per se? Uh, do you think that would be in the equation? Uh, I think it's on the table. Um I think round three might be a little early unless there was someone they loved that, you know, fell really far. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of people in Pittsburgh have thrown out uh, the name Spencer Rattler. I don't know why oh, interesting. Uh, people in Pittsburgh are infatuated with him. Um, and I've, I've seen Joe Milton in some mock drafts, but I, <laughs> I highly doubt earlier than four. Yeah. And whoever they're taking, assuming Mason Rudolph uh, is back in the fold, uh-huh. is going to be, you know, quarterback three. I think if they, knowing the Steelers, um, I mean, they've only taken three quarterbacks in the first round ever, mm-hmm. um, and each three were, you know, given the, the team from day one, basically. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they're going to take someone in the third or fourth round saying, hey, this guy is someone that, you know, is in our future plans as a starter. It's yeah. more maybe a Mason Rudolph situation where someone gets hurt and, oh, we, we might have something here. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. Joe Milton in a Steelers jersey. How would you feel about that? Joe Milton in any NFL jersey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> straight. Honest. About Whoa. It. Any NFL jersey? Uh, I mean, as a are we talking as a starter? Come on. I'm, I'm, uh, really? I'm just saying in an NFL jersey. Period. I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't think he'd ever start. I don't but, know. You know. Jake just uh, Jake popped up when I said Joe Milton in a Steelers jersey, Max. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll pass on that one. I don't <laughs> Max said he'll pass. Hey, it's the thing or, that was created ever, man. <laughs> it was the thing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jake cracking jokes on here. Uh, Max, okay, so – uh, Arthur Smith, what would you if you could give one grade for for the the the, uh, the hiring? What would the grade be? B minus. Um, I think he'll be better as an OC than a head coach. You guys mentioned yeah some of those things about court, you know deciding who's the quarterback or deciding how to u- how to use guys. Mm-hmm. That'll be a little less out of his control um, when he's an OC. So I do think he'll be better than what he was in Atlanta. But I, I think a lot of what he the success he had in Tennessee was because he had Derrick Henry. Yeah. I think Derrick Henry 
made him a head coach and not vice versa. So mm-hmm. um, B minus. Interesting. Okay, guys, what do you what do you guys? I say? was going to say C plus. So C right plus. There yeah, C plus. I'd, I'd C plus for me too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd I'd be teetering between the B minus C plus line. I think he's by far a better coordinator than a coach. And look, sometimes coaches get the head coaching job and they're just not built to be a head coach. They're really right. good at one position or or one side of the ball. They're not ready to take on the responsibility. Um, so Arthur Smith very well could work out in Pittsburgh, and I uh, hope he does because um, I, I think that Pittsburgh is really starting to get to the point where you know you're starting to question. All right, how much longer are we rolling, rolling this with Tomlin? How much ro- longer are we rolling this with with Pickett? So I think um, a year like this is very important, and for Arthur Smith, if he wants to solidify himself back in the NFL, it's a good opportunity in, in front of him. So uh, uh, Max, we appreciate you calling in, and, and good to hear from you. We'll see you next week. Yes, sir. All right. And when we come back, we'll talk about the heat and how they are desperately in need of a spark. Stay right here on Overtime. Making a better vodka soda ain't rocket science. You just got to start with a better vodka. And then voila, you get White Claw vodka soda. Your taste buds are about to get a PhD in deliciousness. J.B. Smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world's smoothest vodka. Try the all-new White Claw vodka soda. Pick up a variety pack of their four delicious flavors. Only 100 calories, 4.5% alcohol, and 2 grams of sugar. White Claw Vodka Soda. Please drink responsibly. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia, where your journey begins. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers' new sewer maintenance program, complete with mapping, cleaning, and camera inspecting, Visit RogersHydrantService.com. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com Get the best for your team delivered right and on time So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today They are our love bugs and companions They are our pets, our family and they make life better When we face unexpected challenges so do our pets That's why we're on a mission to support people and their pets Whether donating a bag of kibble sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat or welcoming a foster pet into your home Every bit of kindness counts. 
Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. I met her down at Althane. She said that she saw me walking in about a mile away. Bean just had to take her phone and I just took her smile away. She said I'm too drunk and crazy. She don't like the way I dance. I said you don't have to join this. She said she'd take a chance. I've been Nothing like some Broadway girls on a Tuesday night here on Overtime, hour number two. Give you a quick score update. South Carolina leads on Tennessee 30-26 to right now at the half. Uh, Dalton Connect, the Vols' leading scorer, 6 of 13, shooting with 13 points. Uh, Taylon Cooper uh, leads the Gamecocks with 10 points, and B.J. Mack uh, matches it with or just one shy of 10 with 9 points on a measly 2 of 8 shooting, however. Mm. Um, does have a 3-pointer as well. Um, Vols need to get a bounce back here. Uh, second time in a row trailing at halftime. You're at home here. Um, look, you, you've got to come out with that same intensity you came out with in that second half against Vanderbilt and make sure you're not walking off the court tonight with a loss. Yeah, some notable stats. Uh, Vescovy started with five in like the first six minutes of the game. He has zero after that. Uh, he's at five at the half. Ganey is 0 for 2 off the bench in the first half as well. Uh, not a good start for him. Uh Good to see J.P. Estrella getting minutes, but it's not really helping. He's got two points, um, and the balls are down. They're going to have to find another comeback here. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, not surprising, though, Josiah Jordan-James still sitting at zero, 0 for 1 from the floor. But, you know, four rebounds, three assists, not bad com- comparative to, you know, last game. So. Zakai Ziegler also at zero at the yeah. half. Mm-hmm. I mean, every one of us right now is being as productive as Josiah Jordan-James on the floor. <laughs> oh, we, yeah. yeah, we are. Yeah, and Adu's only got two points, one rebound. Yeah. yeah. Well, it seems the Vols are in need of a spark, and so are the Miami Heat. The Phoenix Suns handle the Miami Heat their seventh straight loss last night, marking the longest drought since 2008. Uh, Miami went to Monday's matchup against Phoenix, desperately needing a win to avoid its longest streak in 15 years. The Heat caught the Suns on the second night of a back-to-back after a loss to Orlando on Sunday. Yet the Heat still found themselves trailing by double digits the entire second half with the deficit ballooning to 28 points late in the third quarter. Just last week, the Heat traded Kyle Lowry away for Terry Rozier to try and add an offensive boost, but the Heat's problems have still yet to be solved. We'll add Jake Miller into this conversation now, who's a Heat fan at heart. Uh, Jake, we'll begin with you. What is wrong with the Heat? I mean, it's just very frustrating right now. You know, you mentioned you know the loss to to Phoenix in which Miami was favored in that game. They were four-and-a-half-point mm-hmm. favorites going into that game. And, you know, even as a Heat fan, I'm sitting here, I'm just like, I just I don't think we got it right now. You know, even though we added Terry Rozier last week, you know, getting rid of that Kyle Lowry contract, I think that was a big part of that. They just wanted to get rid of that contract mm-hmm. because it was probably unnecessary at the time that it was signed. And at this point, it just made no sense to keep him around. I mean, that's one of the contracts you can at least, you know, get rid of because that's one they were trying to get rid of with the whole uh, Damian Lillard talk mm-hmm. yeah. back during the summer and through the fall. Mm-hmm. But right now, you look at the Miami Heat and you just see a team that you know should have an identity. You know, that's what the Heat culture is built around. And I just don't see it this year. You know, as a fan, you know, Jimmy Butler, of course, he's been hurt. You know, he's having to carry the team last night. He had 22, but it's not enough because there's not enough people around him that are putting in the same effort. You know, Jaime Hawkins, he'll be good for one game, but then Tyler Hero's not going to step up. Tyler Hero might step up one game. Well, then you got Duncan Robinson not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Duncan might step up one game. Okay, well, what's Bam doing down low? Nothing. And then it's it just a revolving cycle of, you know, one person's carrying the team on their back while everybody else is just kind of sitting back and watching, you know. I think at one point earlier in the year, Tyler Hero had a ridiculous game from three. I think he made like six threes in the game, scored 33, mm. and they barely get out of there with a win. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you're getting that kind of production out of him, you should be getting not 
maybe to that level, but you should be getting consistent 20 and 25 point performances and be able to dominate on the boards with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Mm-hmm. And they're just not getting that right now. Yeah. So, I mean, right now, you know, we talk about last year how, you know, Miami was lucky to get into the playoffs, you know, even mm-hmm. lucky to get into the play-in game. Yeah. And then to make that incredible run that they did, you know, knocking out Milwaukee, beating New York. And then we all saw the thriller in the Eastern Conference Finals with Boston. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to see it end the way it did, you know, was disappointing. But the fact of the matter is, it's like, that's a team that probably shouldn't have been there. Yeah. Miami should not have been in the NBA Finals last year. But when you build – what Eric Spolstra has, who is on the cusp of maybe even becoming in the talk of one of the best coaches of this time period. Yes, definitely. And you know, and he's up there with Greg Popovich. You know, as far as coaches from this time span. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if we're ready to put him up there with the likes of Phil Jackson, Pat Riley, and guys like that. But I mean, the coaching staff is there. Mm. There is talent there. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's not being utilized the right way. But if Miami is going to turn things around, they're going to have to do it now. And they're going to have to keep it at least consistent yeah. through the rest of the year if they want a shot at the playoffs. Definitely trending that way. Dawson? Yeah, it's an offensive rut. Jake kind of already touched on it. Just not scoring enough points to beat teams. You're not getting consistent production every night from the guys you need consistent production from. Uh, last night against Phoenix, out of bio, eight points. That's not going to do it. I mean, you get a, a nice game out of some guys like Tyler Hero, but when you don't get production from Bam Adebayo, it doesn't work. You need all of those guys to produce. What did Phoenix do to beat Miami? They had all those guys produce. They had four guys put, uh, touching 20. Eric Gordon leads the Suns with 23, which is a weird stat to hear in 2024. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that but, is nuts. Yeah. You know, to have those big three not even have to score 40, 50 points. I mean, they mm-hmm. only touched 20 mm-hmm. uh, and managed to beat Miami uh, on a night when Miami shot 39% from the field. Yeah. And Phoenix shot 49% from the field and 45% from three. I mean, you just between the two ends of the floor, not getting it done on either end, I don't think. Uh, in a game where you had Nurkic not 100% for Phoenix, we heard him get out of the lineup very, very late mm-hmm. right before tip-off. Uh, you don't have the big three, any of them, doing anything like Devin Booker did over the past two games before that, between 44 and 62. Uh, I think you got... 21 out of him last night, which is a you know an average night, um, and you still couldn't win the game. Uh, so yeah, you're not doing enough on either end of the floor for me right now. Yeah, I, I think the main thing for this little uh, loss streak that they're on right now, Jaime Jaquez has been out for a while. I feel like he's been out for two weeks. He's finally getting back in rotation. Only had, uh, like you said, it's just like one day one day somebody's on it, and one day he's not. Uh, Jaquez only had two points last night, but I mean you have guys like Josh Richardson out there putting up 12 points. Uh, Rozier finally looked like he found his footing a little bit, found 21 points uh, shooting four of six from three. So I mean. Finally getting a little bit more production uh, from your trade of, of Kyle Lowry. But, uh, again, like you said, Jake, that just inconsistency from your role players has really led to the downfall of this little stretch here. What is wrong with the Heat? It's they didn't get Damian Lillard, and that's what they needed to really give this team a boost offensively. Uh, last year in the playoffs, they were able to grit and grind their way to the finals, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. But in the finals, they lacked a go-to scorer. And they were not able to get that this offseason. And they still lack a go-to scorer. Terry Rozier is a nice piece. Had a really nice game last night, 21 points. Um, But he's not the the same caliber go-to scorer as a Damian Lillard. And look, in January, uh, they're 28th in offensive rating, 107.9 points per 100 possessions. Uh, With Charlotte, Portland, the only teams behind them, and those teams are not very good at all. Miami is 29th in field goal percentage, shooting 43%, 23rd in three-point percentage, and 25th in points in the paint in this month. They're, they're lacking 
offense all around, and they're too inconsistent. They need a go-to score, and they just don't have that on the roster. And you know, it's tough to get consistent production from these guys, and they're not getting it. And that's why they're in this rut right now. Uh, Jake, you wanted to add something? Yeah, it almost kind of reminds me of Tennessee basketball last year. You know, you're lacking that guy. It's like, okay, well, who's going to go get us a bucket? When it comes clutch time, it's like, okay, well, normally we would go to Duncan or we would go to Tyler, but they're off tonight, so who do we go to? Can we go to Jaime Jaquez? Well, I don't know because he's not really productive tonight, and, oh, by the way, he's hurt. So, I mean, you know, Jaime Jaquez is a guy, too, that we had even talked about possibly being the steal of the draft yeah. last year with the production that he's given you know, Miami this year. But just the inconsistency, it's going to end up being the downfall. And, you know, we talk about, you know, in the NCAA tournament, what do you have to have? You have to have two things. You have to have a dominant big man, and you have to have a true point guard that's able to be the floor general in a sense. It's mm-hmm. got to be who, who can run your offense. And right now, I'm not so sure that uh, Miami has those two things that you can put together. Because, I mean, you got to think, you know, back when you had Kelly Olinick down there, was he your best big man? No, Bam was probably still your best big man. But at least you could have Kelly Olinick on the floor that give you some of that hype because right now you look at Bam, he's not your typical true five. And I know that we're getting away from that. You know, the true five really doesn't exist anymore because we're in an era of essentially positionless basketball. There are very few guys out there that are still your back-to-the-basket big men. Jokic might be the only exception, but the way he plays is just so goofy. And, like, there's no real rhyme or reason as to why he plays the way he plays or how he plays. All we know is that it works. It's goofy. It's weird to watch. But it's fun to watch because it works. And I hate to go back to this offseason, but I just think it was so pivotal for this Heat team because you lose Gabe Vincent, you lose Max Struess, two guys that shot really well in the playoffs, were big-time players in the playoffs, and you kind of sit there and wait for Damian Lillard to come into your hands. You don't get him. You wake up and the offseason's over. You're not able to get that big splash play or at least retain a couple of your players who had a high volume of production for you during your run. So I think they're kind of scrambling right now. Obviously, Kyle Lowry at this point in his career is not anyone that's going to move the needle. Uh, Terry Rozier is an upgrade, Mm -hmm. but no offense to Terry, but he's not moving the needle for that team either. He's not Uh, an elite player. No. He's a a good serviceable player. Yeah, very serviceable, but not like the splash play that they need and, and a guy that's a closer for them and a guy that can be consistent and put up a, a you know 20 points plus a night, they don't really have that on the roster in terms of consistent production from them. Um, so even after seven straight losses, the Heat still hold the number seven spot in the Eastern Conference. But the threats around them are on the rise, and this is what worries me for this team. Pacers, add Pascal Siakam. Knicks, add OG Ananobi. Uh, the Bucks replace Adrian Griffin with Doc Rivers. The Cavs added Evan Mobley back into a lineup, went 14 and four over 18 game stretch with him or without him or Darius Garland. So you've got a couple of these teams now that are kind of in the same level, not at the very top with the the Celtics and the Sixers, and I know the Bucks made a, a, a coaching change, but some of these mid tier Eastern Conference teams, Pacers get better, Knicks get better, Cavs has gotten better. Where do the Heat? fall into this mix is the rest of the east catching up to miami now? i think so yeah i think mm-hmm. they are uh, i like the moves the other groups made more than i do the move for terry rogier and like you said it's an upgrade for sure and an offensive boost if anything but it's not a splash move pascal siakam is a splash move mm-hmm. i mean that increased my confidence in the pacers a ton you now have three viable threats on that team in the starting five yeah miami to me consistently doesn't have that yet uh, in terms of guys that have been producers in the past. I and mean, we fully expect Bam Adebayo to go get 20 points a night. Eight in a game against Phoenix is not going to do no. it at all. 
Um, and so I like the other team's moves better. I think my confidence in them is higher than my confidence in Miami right now. If they don't figure this out in a hurry, you're going to be staring up in a play-in spot or worse at teams that have bypassed you by making bigger moves. Tank for connect. Tank for connect. Tank is that what you want? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think when you look around the rest of the, the Eastern Conference, yeah, the East is catching up to them. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's the obvious statement here. And um, now the, the, the latter half of the East is not very good. Um, like teams like the Atlanta Hawks have completely struggled this year. Yeah. Um, the DeJounte Murray, Trey Young marriage is not working. So you're benefiting off that. You know, the Bulls, um, let's just call how it is, sucking. Um, <laughs> the, the Charlotte Hornets are nothing to get excited about either. So the, ba- the, the, the bottom half of the East is not good. So you're benefiting off that. But that middle portion is is adding adding pieces and getting better. The Heat Terry Rozier is not a a, a needle moving uh, piece for them, so I, I think that they're in trouble and they're going to be very well in a very similar position that they were last season when the Heat became the second team in history to reach the NBA Finals as a number eight seed after bouncing from a home loss to Atlanta in the first round of the play-in tournament. They ended up winning against the Bulls, making it into the tournament, uh, making it into the playoffs, I should say. And then remember four seasons ago, they were in a very similar situation as well. Uh, They made a run into the the finals in the bubble um, as a number five seed. Mm -hmm. So not all hope is lost, but can the Heat still make a run in the postseason with this roster? I like to think that they can. Uh, this is a team that got hot at the end of last season, uh, especially in that play-in tournament, and then got better as they got into the postseason. If they can just make the postseason in any fashion, I still don't want to discount them at all. I think there's still a team, if they get hot at the right time, they still got plenty of talent to go win ball games. Yeah. I mean, to win playoff series, quite frankly, against a few of the teams towards the top of the conference, especially if it ends up being a team like Indiana, maybe that hasn't been there in a while, doesn't have a ton of players with postseason experience, mm-hmm. 80% of Miami's roster was there last year so yeah uh, I think that's going to help them a lot um, they, they got hot late there's a lot of season left they can figure this out a little bit at least enough to just maintain their spot get in the playoffs and go from there uh, but they got to figure it out quick they got to get it turned around yeah I, I think any heat team under the helm of Eric Spolstra I think you've got a shot to make it through there especially whenever we've seen these last four uh postseasons with Jimmy Butler there too I mean he turns in the playoff Jimmy we you know for forever we thought it was playoff P and Paul George and he has yet to show up so playoff Jimmy is is for real and I mean like you said uh, this is a team that's made three of the last four Eastern Conference finals and has made two finals appearances in that uh, so I mean as as long as you've got Spolstra and Butler uh, and you get some role players finally start to get clicking towards that end of the year I think this team can definitely make a run. I think with how bad the the bottom half of the East is, they can still make the postseason, Mm -hmm. um, make a play-in game very similar to what they did last year um, and in the bubble, how they were able to get those runs despite being inferior seeds. Um, But they've got to be able to get a more consistent offensive uh, collection. I mean, you can't win games in the playoffs – uh, with having uh, you know having to play bingo of who's going to be the guy that is going to be the scorer each night, so um, they've got to be able to figure that offense. Eric Spolster is a very smart coach, one of the best we've seen in the NBA um, in, in its in its long history. So I think he's very well equipped to turn this thing around. But it's a matter of when and not how right now because the shots are not falling in and the Heat are falling in the standings. Uh, Jake, I'll ask you the question as well: Can the Heat still make a run here? They can. It's going to take a lot, but it can still be done. Yeah. You know, I think we're going to know a lot more um, here. Probably, I would say the end of February is when you're really going to find out what this team is. 
And if they've got the capabilities of making those runs, you know, like we had talked about, you know, this team that has pretty much been a mainstay in the Eastern Conference Finals, though, regardless of how the regular season goes, they've kind of been a mainstay these past few years. And, you know, two trips to the NBA Finals, you got to get one. You got to get one because, you know, much like the NFL, you have that window. And once it closes, it takes a long time before it opens back up. I mean, yep. we talk about, you know, looking back at the history of the Heat, you look at Dwayne Wade and Shaq. Mm-hmm. getting the first one in 06 and then you look at you know the big three with LeBron yeah. Chris Bosh D Wade mm-hmm. you know you had that four-year window you got two out of that and now you've got another window that has opened up and you have to take advantage because you never know when that window is going to open back up and for some teams it never does I mean look at the Chicago Bulls for example yeah I mean Jordan leaves guess what Kirk Heinrich Derrick Rose that was your best shots at getting back there mm-hmm. and you were just not going to get it done mm-hmm. and I mean the Bulls I mean they're insufferable right now I don't even yeah. want to don't even want to talk about the Chicago Bulls. They're a disgrace. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, you look at the Miami Heat, you're going to find out a lot more here in the coming weeks as to what this team can do and what they will do. Yeah. You're going to have to. You're going to have to. And when we come back, Jake will help us weigh in on the big news that dropped today the NCA investigation. Sports Illustrated leaked it out. Uh, we'll give our thoughts on that. And when we return on overtime, White Claw is taking hard seltzer to new heights with White Claw Surge. At 8% alcohol, White Claw Surge is a stronger wave of refreshment that doesn't compromise on taste. Available in four bold waves of flavor like ripe blackberry, citrusy blood orange, zesty natural lime, and tart cranberry. Check out your favorite retailer in-store and online for the White Claw Surge Variety 12-pack and 16-ounce single-serve cans. White Claw Surge, please drink responsibly. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows, get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at North Knox Siding and Windows, Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia where your journey begins. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down, but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway. Give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. Are you ready to make your dream home a reality? Hi, I'm Bo Kregner, and here at the Kregner Group at Realty Executives, we know that finding the perfect home is more than just a transaction. It's about finding your sanctuary, your future, your happiness. Our team is dedicated to guiding you every step of the way, ensuring a smooth and stress-free journey towards home ownership. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing, we're here to help. 
Call me anytime at 865-742-1035 or just visit us online at bonoshouses.com. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers' new sewer maintenance program, complete with mapping, cleaning, and camera inspecting, visit rogershydrantservice.com. Back here on Overtime, final segment of hour number two here on this Tuesday night. Thank you so much for joining us. A quick update, Tennessee trails South Carolina 40-36 to with 13.51 remaining in the second half. Uh, Dawn Connect remains the, the Vols' leading scorer with 15 points on uh, 6 of 13 shooting. Santiago Vescovi, set, or 10 points for him. As uh, B.J. Mack, a guy we talked about in hour number one, uh, leads South Carolina with 11 points. And Talon Cooper uh, tallies in 10 more uh, for the Gamecocks. 40-36 to 36 with 13.51 remaining. Uh, Vols need to get this uh, thing going because uh, uh, a home loss would be a, a bad one. For a team that's 10-0 and on home court this year to yeah. lose to, yeah, a good South Carolina team, a team that beat Kentucky, but that was what we talked about as an opportunity to, to overlap Kentucky in the SEC is mm-hmm. you got to take care of business against a South Carolina team that's coming to your home floor. Uh, if you lose this, you're right back on even footing with Kentucky. Again, your advantage in the SEC is gone, uh, and, yeah, you need to get it together. You need to win this game. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Jake, we appreciate you popping in here. want to get your opinion now on what we talked about in uh, hour number one. Uh, the big news that dropped today, the Big Orange possibly in big trouble uh, with Sports Illustrated's report that Tennessee is immersed in another NCAA investigation of potential rule violations, and it's apparently major in nature. Now, we talked about Donnie Plowman's clapback and how uh, we all think that's a good sign and that Tennessee thinks that they are in the right and there's nothing that they did wrong um, if they're willing to come out you know, publicly and bashed the NCAA. What was your takeaway when you heard the news and, and your thoughts now? Well, first of all, I think everybody has seen the shirt at this point that we have put out on Twitter, the Abolish the NCAA shirt. I would, uh, I'd love to take full credit for that, but, you know, we got to give credit where it's due over at the shop, you know, guys making it happen, you know, in such a quick time. But, um, you know, the reason you put the shirt out and the reason that everyone feels so strongly about that is because of stuff like this, you know. You look at Tennessee, you look at Florida State, you look at Florida, Miami has got themselves – you know, in a little bit of trouble here. And I'm sure there's other schools out there that I'm missing. But, you know, this is the problem with the NCAA. And for the longest time, the sole purpose of the NCAA was to make sure that athletes did not get paid. Well, they have lost that power. Right now, they're trying to cling to every bit of relevancy that they can to let everybody know that they are still around. And, you know, eventually, there's not going to be an NCAA. Like, this very well might be the end of the NCAA because if you try to punish Tennessee, you try to punish Florida State, you try to punish Florida, you try to punish uh, Miami. Michigan's probably going to get punished, but for good reason. Um, you're looking at the end of the NCAA. The only thing that the NCAA has right now they can cling to as a revenue generator is March Madness because the NCAA does not control anything that happens in the football postseason. They have no control over the bowl games. They can put a bowl ban on teams, but they don't regulate anything that goes on with the college football playoff or any of these other bowl games. And when you look at an organization right now that is powerless – to create a rule, and then to take back you know, 
I don't know how many months this happened before this rule got in place, but something can't happen, and then you make a rule saying it's illegal and be like, oh, you did this, now you're in trouble. I mean, that's just like you know someone that has mango mentho jewel pods right now that you can't buy <laughs> and going and arresting them because they have a mango menthol jewel pod. Yeah, so I think it happened in June of 2022. Uh, Nico committed in April of yes. 2022. Yes. Um, so it, it was after the fact if, if there was something done. And um, Dawson has pulled up uh, a message from Spire. Yeah, this is... And, and, give it, and you can summarize it for the audience as well. Um, you don't have to... Re- it's a very uh, well... Lawyer, lawyer yeah, language. Yeah. Yes, PR. Type, yeah. Thing. Uh, it, it is from Tom Mars, the lawyer for Spire. Yeah. Uh, and it, this, the basic gist I can give is that they said everything in the contract was legal under California law. As we know now, Tennessee changed their laws not long after that to reflect that it would be legal under Tennessee law as well um, so that they could go forward with the NIL deal. We're all well aware of what the deal is. Four years, $8 million. We're all well aware of that. We were aware of that in April of 2022 when he committed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that came out right, pretty much right after his commitment. We all heard, oh, well, he's making $8 million. Actually, I think we heard before we heard he had before. offered yeah, yeah. $8 million for him to come here. So we, we are well aware. Spire is just saying, Everything that they have done is legal. Everything that they've done checks out under NCAA vi- uh, guidelines and under state laws in California and Tennessee. Well, and this is something too. You know, we had heard about it. You know, a couple months ago, I think it was yeah, back in it was, November. Yeah, October, I think. Yeah. yeah, and so this stuff that we had heard about that it could potentially be coming down, but you know, we knew at the time that Tennessee was prepared to tell the NCAA to go get effed. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> I think it was Pat Forty that dropped the article today, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, well, here's the thing. It's sad that good people die every day and that people like Pat Forty get to keep putting their stuff out (laughs) online for the world to read. He's also been on Fine Bomb today. Uh, He says a source close to the inquiry says prepare for the firefight of a lifetime. A source close to the inquiry. A source Pat Forty said on Fine Bomb today. So. He's I mean, I, th- I thought we throwing had throwing kindling in his. Well, own I'm telling thought. you, a source close to the inquiry says that he's a dumbass. I, <laughs> and I mean, like we we heard from Legend on Feinbaum earlier, who said, "Who gives a damn? Like these kids are getting paid. Who cares? I mean, this thing's been going on for years, and now it's legal. So like, it doesn't really matter. This is just how the game is now. Uh, it's just kind of time to grow up and to like backtrack on what was initially just free range. It's absolutely blasphemous. Well, and I can remember a time too, you know, when Dodge Chargers and Challengers were a thing down at Alabama. Yeah. And then you got guys named <laughs> D Liner and any other five star recruit going to a car wash and holding up hundreds of dollars of bills. It's like, okay, well, guess what? I don't know where an eighteen year old got the money to finance an eighty thousand dollar. <laughs> muscle car yeah. when he has no job somebody had to make that payment huh? do we and all of course that was the loophole of well it's not my car i'm just driving it. okay well, where'd you get the cash we all remember the henry to instagram post right in front of a dodge challenger oh, did you guys oh, ever yeah. see that it was I think so. yeah yeah I, look i he think, didn't go there for free i think what you've seen over the past couple of weeks with florida now getting involved in an investigation miami tennessee a lot of teams now um being drawn into uh, investigations, but I think it's just the NCAA now um, realizing they messed up by not putting any rules or regulations in place when they started this thing, and now they're trying to backtrack and go back and make amends with the wrongs they've already written, and it's it's I think being done in a a, a poor way. If something was done, if, if something is done where at the time it is legal, it, it, there's no rules in place that are against it. And you follow the criteria that the, the the very vague criteria that was presented um, with the new rules of the NIL and transfer portal, and it's followed correctly. 
you cannot then go back and say, well, now with the way we have things in place, that is not okay. And now we're going to go back and say that was wrong. Um, I, I think it's the NCAA just backtracking and, and trying to make amends with what the, the monster that they created. They created this. You know, if they were going to put the NIL and transfer portal in place, there are rules and regulations they could have put in place. They chose not to. I'm all for players being being paid and, 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 and receiving compensation. I'm all for it. They deserve to be. But you should have put rules in place uh, when you when you decided it was okay for them to get paid. And now going back and trying to uh, you know punish teams and punish people for doing certain things when you're the one that didn't put the rules in place, I think is foolish. Well, on the hinging claim of the report is, is basically that the NCAA is not worried about NIL as much as it is they think that the – the donor collective, that being Spire, obviously yes. named in the report, uh, is basically trying to get Nico to commit to Tennessee. That's what they're trying to say is that this this okay. NIL money okay. Okay. Uh, is is being used to lure him to a certain school. Uh, when now they've made a pretty definitive statement as a as a group that represents more than just Tennessee athletes. By yeah. the way, yeah. they represent athletes across the country that they are not tied to any particular school. Now we have our section of it, um, but that that they were not trying to get him to go anywhere, just signing him to a, a, a representation contract. Okay, okay, I see that now. Okay, so they're they're thinking Spire the company it was forcing him to go to Tennessee. wanted him yes. to come to Knoxville. Okay. Yes. Okay. But Inspire has since come out and said that that is not true. And Apparently, I, I know it said like, I think it said something within the contract. It states that that's not that's okay. exactly what they are not doing. Okay. Well, hey, if it's in a yeah. con- if it's in a contract and written writing, then that I mean, it, it, the direct quote from the contract: nothing in the agreement constitutes any form of inducement to athlete to enroll at any right. school or join any athletic team. Okay. Well, if that's in the contract, it's that he's, in his contract. Yeah, Jake. I think that one thing that needs to happen out of all this is all these universities need to band together and file a class action lawsuit against the NCAA. Oh yeah, and fully take away every bit of power that they have. I completely agree. Because there's nothing for the NCAA to stand on Absolutely in the NIL not. realm right mm-hmm. now. Absolutely nothing. I mean, they've already lost the Supreme Court. If you get the Supreme Court of all things, one of the most divided systems in this country to vote nine to nothing against you you're doing something wrong and right now the ncaa is doing something wrong because if you get all nine of those to agree on something you're in bad shape yeah you are really bad yeah if that's the case and i think we'll wrap it up with this um you know earlier we were talking about uh donnie plowman coming out and making that statement i think that's a good sign for tennessee Um, showing that, hey, we're able to put our foot down because we know we're in the right and we know we didn't break rules. I think that was a good sign. Even though it was fiery and might piss the NCAA off, I think it shows that they know they're in the right and everything will be okay. Uh, Jake, thank you so much for popping in, man. Glad to share the airways with you again. Um, And uh, this was a great episode. Thank you so much for joining us. For William Patterson, Jake Miller, Dawson Wise, and Jace Brown, this has been Overtime. We'll see you again tomorrow. been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't